Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Gee, man, did the Rays walk it off against Cleveland? They did with a two-run walk-off home run by G-Man Choi. The Rays win their 12th in a row at home. That's a franchise record. And how about this? They knock out Corey Kluber in the process after just an inning and two-thirds. He gives up four runs. Amazing job by the Rays. We're going to talk all about that. Dirk Cutter, by the way, he finally congratulated Todd Munkin for a fine game of calling plays. We'll play the old SNL game show. What's up with that? Move over, Jameis Winston. The first pass ever by Jets' Sam Darnold is returned for a touchdown. But unlike Jameis, he wins the game. And I'll tell you what, man. I'll tell you what, man. I'm back in a black hole. You know what I mean? The Raiders and the Rams got together. On Monday Night Football. All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. Give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on a brand new quality train air conditioning unit or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Well, Steve Versnick, you were there at the TROP. Uh, How about the drama that's going on with the Rays right now? Um, Just can't, can't be beat. I mean, franchise record, 12 wins in a row. And this one was one that uh, they they almost gave away. It would have been a devastating loss had that happened, only because they got up 4-1 to one on, on Corey Kluber. Who, you uh, knock you Corey know, as, Kluber out in the second inning. Yeah. After 44 pitches, you knock him out. You give He gives up four runs and leaves the bases loaded when he comes out of the game after an inning and two-thirds. Mm-hmm. You've got the lead against Corey Kluber, and then the Indians keep chipping away. And they, they mm. chip away, and they get one run in the fifth, and two in the sixth, and one in the seventh. To all of a sudden, now they're up five to four. And meanwhile, once Kluber left the game with two outs in the first in, or the second inning, you get one hit until the ninth inning. That's stunning. You had, you had I think, three or four walks in there. I think one was intentional. But you weren't generating any offense against their bullpen, which the Indians' bullpen's okay. It's not great. But you weren't generating anything. This would have been, for a team looking for the playoffs, I mean, anytime you lose a game that Corey Kluber starts, okay, you lost. But you knocked him out after, four, after an inning and two-thirds, giving up four runs, and then you end up giving up the lead. Had you lost that game, that would have been, I won't say devastating, because like I said, if Corey Kluber's starting, you kind of, you don't pencil in a loss, but it's not unexpected. Right. But because no, of all the circumstances, hurt. it would have hurt to lose this game as you're trying to chase down Oakland. Yeah, no no doubt. It would have definitely hurt. And now they have caught the Seattle Mariners. And uh, like I mentioned, uh, 12 wins in a row at Tropicana Field. Uh, it's, it's just 
It's it's amazing. I mean, they're seven and a half back, Steve, with 19 to play, a three-game series coming up with the A's who were off, but they're starting a series in Baltimore where you'd expect them to do okay. So it's not over till it's over, as Yogi would say. Seven seven and a half out, seven losses back, seven in the loss columns. Loss column. Mm -hmm. You've got three against them. So if you sweep the series against Oakland, you're four and a half back with 16 games to go. Uh, very doable. I mean, That's you know, possible. it's going to be dramatic. Yeah. It's 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 not impossible. But um, like I said, they can't. They're not going to lose another game. <laughs> yeah, and the it's, shame of it is, is meanwhile, they're a game and a half behind Cleveland if they were in the AL Central. They have the same record as the Braves and the Rockies in the NL, who are both division yeah. leaders. Yeah. You know, it's just. It's yeah, really, I mean, they're really they're 15 games above 500 now after starting four and 13. And the Red Sox just, you know went like a rocket you know in this this season and the Yankees went with them for a while so it's just the AL East this year is is having you know historic almost seasons yeah I mean they're 18 and a half back in in the American League East I mean the Rays this Rays team has a really good shot at 90 wins they go 11 and 9 the rest of the way yeah 11 and 8 11 and 8 which is you know playing three games above 500 they've more than eclipsed that over the last month and a half it has been a, a fun year to be a Rays fan, uh, and I think the only thing left is a pennant race, and, and they, they kind of are in one. I would think this series against the A's, if they're able to come in there, you know, seven and a half back or seven back or whatever it is and be, be in contention, um, you know, to me, if you're a Rays fan, of course the Bucks have their season opener against the Eagles this Sunday, and there'll be a lot of excitement and people wanting to go see that game, but – this A series, if you're a Rays fan, I mean, this would be the one to go to. There's going to be some buzz at the drop. I think it's pretty cool that here we are, you know, this late uh, late September, and I should be back at school, as Berman would say. But you've got the Rays in contention. It's going to be, it's it's really really been something, and just a fun year. How many walk offs have they had this year, Steve? That's now nine walk off wins for the Rays. That leads the American League. <laughs> and and think about this because earlier this year when they hit a walk off home run. I, I'm pretty sure it was this year. It was the first time they had a walk-off home run in like three years. Yeah. And granted, not all the nine are home runs, but AL leading ninth walk-off hit now for the Rays. Of course, when when you have a you know a winning record at home of 20 games over 500, that always oh, helps yeah. too. Well, and that's the thing that's so impressive is that how well they played at the Trop. You know, for years I always thought this should be a, a, an advantage. You know, with the rings and you know just just a different type of ballpark, and they really haven't been able to get that done, but. They have they've been dominant, you know, as any team in the majors at home, which which bodes well for this three game series that they got coming up, you know, against the Oakland A's. So, but they still have to um, handle business against the Indians tonight and then uh, Wednesday in the day game. Yeah, and the Indians the Indians are really good. You no, know, yeah, they're, they're they're about ready to clinch their division. Their magic number is four over the Twins to clinch the yeah. AL Central. So this will be a tough series, but a great way to start it. And G Man. G-Man, you know, you can see – I don't know what his future is with the Rays. One thing we know about him, though, he can hit. I mean, mm-hmm. he can really hit. And for the extended time that they've had him in the big leagues, he's gotten some big hits too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the joy that he brings, you know, uh, the sort of fractured language, you know, they, they all have – that he communicates but in his own unique way. Um, <laughs> but But you can see how much, you know – how, of course, after a walk off, everybody's everybody loves you, right? But but in general, it doesn't matter. He can get a base hit, a double, whatever, and you can see the joy that his teammates have for him. He really does keep that clubhouse kind of loose, and, uh, and and that was fun to see the celebration at home plate. 
It absolutely was. And another, you know, kudos tonight to Jake Bowers, who's been in a horrendous slump for the last mm-hmm. several weeks, if not month. Um, month, you know, I he, think. He had yeah. a two-run shot against Corey Kluber, you know, to help knock him out of the game. That gave them a 3-1 lead at the time. Yeah. Um, hopefully you know, hopefully that helps turn him around. I mean, he's, you know, he's a smile on his face after the home run and in the postgame even talking about it. Yeah, you just want to contribute. You know, that's the thing when you're in these horrific slumps like this. And, look, he's got talent. This is his first time through the majors. He started off pretty hot, and then what happens is pitchers adjust. They get the book on you. And, you know, I mean, I can only equate it. You know, I played college ball, right, which is not nearly the majors. But first time around the division, um, you know, I've seen a lot of fastballs because I was a dead red hitter. I mean, that was my thing. After the first time around, nobody ever threw me a strike <laughs> on a fastball. I, just, I mean, they literally like it was like, wait a minute, am I ever going to see anything but breaking balls and sliders and stuff? No, nope, you no, you're you not. Can hit it. Not until you could hit it, and it is, you know, and and imagine trying to make that adjustment at the major league level. You know what I mean? I mean, it just you you have to actually you know change your approach and and uh, you know understand what they're trying to do to you and not miss the one one pitch per at bat that you might get that you can actually handle and it's just hard to to do that you know day in day out at this major league level and especially when you're facing guys like Corey Kluber so um and, and one other thing about the Rays by the way how about a tip of the cap in helping their boy Blake Snell now suddenly maybe vault up a little bit in the uh, Cy Young uh, award race right yeah I mean Corey Kluber is one of those guys in the Cy Young hunt um, and his team is going to make the playoffs, presumably, with you know such a low magic number to knock out the Twins. That mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times making the postseason helps a Cy Young Award winner. Sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it's so not the Blake, whole thing. You know, Blake Snell scheduled a pitch on Wednesday, I believe, against the Indians. But yeah, not giving you know four runs in an inning and two thirds isn't going to help Corey Kluber's ERA. If the Rays were to somehow pull this out, and Blake Snell would have to win his remaining, you know, most of his, and maybe he wouldn't get credit for the wins, but. He's got what, like four starts left, I think. Most likely, um, yeah, right around there. Yeah, and so if he if he wins twenty one games, let's say, um, he's sitting at eighteen right now, I believe. Uh, so so let's say he he wins three of those games and he goes twenty one and something, and they make the playoffs. I think he does win the Cy Young. If he makes the playoffs and his he doesn't have a bad start where his ERA balloons up, he absolutely wins the Cy Young. Yeah, with, with I mean, Chris Sale be being hurt and missing right. some time, and, and right, that, right, yeah, he will. If they make the playoffs, I think he absolutely wins the Cy Young. Yeah, and I mean, just uh, he might win it without, a, but if they he could, make it, he could. I, I, I don't, yeah. I, unless you know, barring, you know, he loses a ten nine game and gave up, you know, eight runs, right? Somehow, and his ERA balloons. Curious, do you have any idea what kind of a crowd they had at the trap? It was twelve thousand three hundred some. I mean, you know, that's maybe that's why they need a stadium. Maybe that's why they need it, you know, yeah. closer to Tampa. Although um, I'm guessing not all twelve thousand were there night. at the end of the game because the game went three hours and thirty eight minutes. So it was. It well, was... you look. You're lucky it wasn't a solo shot, my friend. You'd still be there. <laughs> Tommy Pham uh, fought off a pitch to get on base to lead to G Man Choi's home run. Yeah, good thing. All credit to Tommy for doing that because had that been somehow a solo home run, they'd still be playing. Tommy Pham, by the way. Boy, I like I like watching this guy play. Now he's been you know he's been beat up. He dislocates a finger. He comes back after a few days. Um, he's a gamer. He, injuries have been a big part of his season. Um, but the guy really grinds out some at bats. He can hit with power. Got a little attitude to him. He's got a little salt to him. I think you know. Yes, he does. He does. He's got a little Jose Bautista. Is what he reminds me of a little bit when he's hitting. You know, 
Um, everything's a personal affront to him. <laughs> the guy throws him a fastball and he's like mad at him. But um, but I think uh, I I really like that acquisition. I think that that's one that uh, they, among many that they made this year. But that's that's a that's a deal they're going to look back and be really happy with. I think. Next look, season. I, you know, I mean the Tommy Pham, G Man Choi, they got in basically dumping Brad Miller, who they had right, already right. you know they had already DFA'd, so they just got something for him to get G Man Choi. Um, mm-hmm. You know Tyler Glass now is going to pitch tonight. Uh, had a rough start last game, but you know he looks really good. Jalen Beeks, who they got, um, you know I mean every move they've made this year seems to be a good one. Has, right. has, has helped this team has. Not just for now, but the future. I mean, you never know what the future is going to hold. But every move that they've made this season seems to be working out. It's been kind of incredible, really, including, you know, in the offseason trading Longoria and DFA and Corey Dickerson, although he's had a pretty decent year at Pittsburgh. But, you know, everything Mm -hmm. they've done seems to have have worked out. I just go back to this, you know, talking about these guys on this podcast and other people, you know, writing columns about it, how – the word, the T word was being used and thrown around very often going back as far as spring with the trade of Longoria, you know, tanking. And here's a team that's going to tank its way to 90 victories or more. Well, now they I have think. to go 3 and 16 to guarantee a winning record. Yeah, well, they, I, I mean, and that, that would last be 19, that, that would give them 82 and 80 if they go yeah, 3 and 16. So, you, I mean, presumably they're going to have a winning record. Oh, they're going to have a winning season. When most people were predicting 90 to 100 losses. Hello. I, I had him. I had him down for a honey. Easy. Andy Free the other day was talking about how he thought they were going to go seventy-two and ninety. Well, good. That's honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, I think most people had him in the seventy, seventy-five, seventy-two, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but a hundred seemed. I mean, look after you start three and what twelve. Yeah, um, you started one and eight and three and or uh, uh, three and what was it? Three and three and fourteen. Four and, four three and, and thirteen. I'm sorry. One and eight and four, four and thirteen. thirteen. Yep. Yeah, I mean those are those are such deep holes to dig out of for a team that's literally got very few components returning from this previous year and a lot of guys, you know, coming up into the majors for the first time and um it just didn't seem like, you know, well, you and, had and part of that 4 and 13, of part, part of that 4 and 13 was most of those games were against the Red Sox and the Yankees, who were the best, well, they were, you know, yeah. or two of the best teams in baseball, maybe Houston's up there too. Mhm. Uh, you know, so I mean, there are 15 games above 500. They were nine games under at four and 13. So that's 24 games above 500 they've been playing since that point. That's just incredible. Yeah. Uh, congratulations to the Rays. And I hope that, you know, for their sake, for Tampa Bay's sake, it would be exciting, you know, in this final couple of weeks to see them uh, even closer in a pennant race. And, you know, if you if you somehow hang in there and you're even, you know, you stay right around where you are now at seven and a half, seven games or so, um, entering that series, and you you can you've got three with them here, you could certainly make that one hell of a last couple weeks of the of the major league season. Not only that, but just think of this: so the Rays, you know, are competing for a playoff spot, and while it's still a long shot, it's it's going to be a, a a very good season regardless, based on the record and and especially mm-hmm. expectations. Success, yeah. The Bucks at this point. Uh, you know, it's one game, but exceeded mm-hmm. expectations in that game for certain. Not mm-hmm. just winning, but the way they showed they won it. Right. The Lightning's first preseason game is next week. We're a week from that, which the Lightning are the favorite to win the Stanley Cup. Some pretty good sports time right now in Tampa Bay. Well, Rocktober's coming up. Yeah. I mean, that's when everybody's playing at once. And yeah. and um, yeah, if you're if you're a Tampa Bay fan of any of those teams or all of those teams, you're going to have kind of a kind of a neat beginning to the month of October. I but think. it's yeah. fun going into every game, you know. And there's been years where 
there's a lot of games on whether it's the Rays the last few seasons or the Bucks, and where you're just going, we got no shot. Right. Right now, you're not saying that for any of the teams. You know, now no. the, the Bucks is one game, and the Lightning. You know, until you lace it sure. up and, and start playing, who knows? But you know, oh, the but, Lightning will be okay. I, oh, I think they will be. But trust you know, me, bar, barring an injury or two that really you, you know, yeah, hurts you, them. if you lose, yeah, if you lost your goaltender, Vasilevsky goes down or something. You know, you never know. Yeah, right, right. I mean, you know, we've seen good teams get off to really rocky starts. I mean, oh sure, the Penguins last year did not. They rebounded and, and you know ended up uh, first or second in their division, but yeah. No, it's a fun time. It's a fun time. I, I like this time of year. Um, you know, college football's in play, of course, and, and the NFL. Speaking of the Bucks, had a chance to uh, bask in their glory a little bit on Victory Monday, of course, after that uh, 48-40 to win. Uh, that, that was just impressive to beat the Saints to go in there and do that against uh, a Hall of Fame quarterback. It probably was a little closer than it should have been. I mean, you consider, um, you know, that many points scored on opening day in a single game. It's the most ever uh, an opening weekend for a game at 88 points. Yeah, an incredible, incredible offensive display. We had a chance uh, again to talk to Dirk Cutter. And, you know, if you remember, and this has been a thing, I've been going back and forth on Twitter with this with people, and I'm going to try to explain this. But, um, you know, the big thing, the, the kind of the, the subplot to all of this is that, you know, they managed to, to talk. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I have franchise record with 48 points, uh, and that's for the entire franchise's um, history. And they could, have, they could have set it because, you know, you had Chandler Cannonzaro missing a, a, a kind of a chip shot field goal there late in the fourth quarter, which would have put him over to 50 mark. Um, but, you know, it's it's not you don't see that every day. You certainly don't see it on opening day, and you certainly don't see it with your backup quarterback. And the day that Ryan Fitzpatrick had, you know, throwing four touchdown passes, running for another one. I mean, he was sensational. You know, the number they had fourteen explosive plays in that game, fourteen, which is about three games worth, quite frankly, under normal circumstances. Um, you know, how about this? You know, the passes to Deshaun Jackson and Mike Evans. Fitzpatrick was 12 of 12. He targeted those two guys 12 times, and they caught all 12 balls. I mean, that, that, is, that is rare. You know what I mean? You just don't see sort of numbers like that. And what's even more impressive, I think, is that it was the first game that offensive coordinator Todd Munkin called plays. And, you know, for, for the longest time, you know, Dirk Cutter wanted to keep this close to the vest, um, you know, said he would do what's best for the team, sort of stirred his own pot after the final preseason game. And even to the Saturday afternoon production meeting with Fox, did not give up who was actually going to call plays. Said, you, it'll be obvious, you know, if you're at the game, you'll know. So Fox trains their cameras, you know, on the the coach's box and Todd Munkin. And, you know, of course, I mean, Dirk's on the sideline. He's got a play sheet and a headset and his, you know, his glasses on and all that. So he, he looks like he's capable of calling it. But after a while, uh, we come to find out that Laura Oakman, who has known Dirk Cutter, who's working the sidelines for Fox, she's known him since his days in Atlanta, um, had gotten the inside. In fact, Dirk Cutter told her 
something he did not tell us after the game, which was, you know, for him, it was really tough to give up because this is something he has always done, call plays. This is something he enjoys doing. And, and oh, yes, he told her, you know, it's tough to give something up that is the reason why you're a head coach in the first place. And this has been the thing that we have sort of alluded to but haven't heard anybody, you know, say, least of all Dirk Cutter, is that, you know, remember, um, after all, you know, they hired him because of the job he did with Jameis Winston in the offense when they fired Lovey Smith. So here he is giving away, you know, the very – uh, the very thing, the very side of the ball, the expertise he had that helped him get a head coaching job. But he is the head coach now. And everything that the Bucks do, good or bad, reflects on the head coach. And we know that the game plan is collaborative. We know um, that this is Dirk Cutter's offense. So there's lots of credit to go around, of course, you know, when you, when you, you know, it's the old saying, right, when failure is an orphan and then, you know, victory has a thousand fathers. But um, in this case, you know, Todd Munkin was calling it. But after the game on Sunday, when asked by Tom Jones, who, you know, okay, maybe maybe he doesn't like Tom Jones, maybe he doesn't like me, I don't know. Uh, but other people had asked all week long about whether or not he had called who, you know, asked who called the plays just for confirmation and to get him to talk about it. He just refused. He said, you were at the game. Why don't you do some reporting? Well, that's what we were attempting to do. So there were some awkward moments in the, in the, uh, the, you know, the post-game press conference. But then finally – uh, on Monday, uh, Dirk Cutter was able to talk about the job and said pretty much what he probably should have said after the game, which is, you know what, Todd Munkin did do a hell of a job. Here's what Dirk Cutter had to say. You no, know, hey, Munk did a great job calling the plays yesterday, but uh, uh, the Buccaneers did a great job of executing the plays yesterday, and uh, that's, uh, that, that was a great example of ex- execution. Monk, Monk did a terrific job. Uh, we had good rhythm. We've had good rhythm all through the preseason. But uh, that was that was a game of execution. All right. So what we didn't hear from Dirk Cutter, however, because it's Monday, we'll have an injury report out on Wednesday and get you updated on it, all those guys. But I will tell you that, uh, and I saw this firsthand. You know, Deshaun Jackson has a couple things to worry about, and it's a damn shame because he's coming off his best game, one of his best games of his career, but certainly his best game with the Bucks with a couple of touchdowns and what 140 something yards uh, receiving, but. He's got the shoulder injury, uh, and you know this is something that uh, he's gonna. He played the rest of the game with. He got it on the first touchdown, but generally guys are sore. He's. I'm sure he went through some MRIs on Monday to see if there's any structural damage. I've seen guys, you know, sprain shoulders. I've seen them with torn, you know, uh, labrums. Remember Doug Martin went out one year with one of those, and it's usually pretty obvious when a guy has something like that. He can't come back and play. I mean, Deshaun gutted it out. But until you get in there and look at what, what if any structural damages there is, we, we really won't know. And failing that, I mean, he's got a concussion. So that's completely out of the Bucks' hands. That's, that's going to be in the hands of an independent neurologist to determine whether or not, you know, he can come through the concussion protocol in time to play against the Eagles. And I know that the Eagles, even though he played them twice a year when he was with the Washington Redskins, you remember how badly it ended for Deshaun Jackson with Chip Kelly and the Eagles. He was released after having, you know, just a stellar sort of start to his career with Philadelphia. I mean, the guy came in as a rookie and was, was a superstar. Um, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, you know, there were stories in, in the New Jersey papers about, you know, unnamed sources from the Eagles saying that they didn't like Jackson because he had gang affiliations and all this sort of stuff. 
he went to Washington and and you know played against Philadelphia. But I know with the with you know the Eagles winning the Super Bowl last year, he still has uh, a lot of uh, of good relations with uh, with that organization. And I'm sure he wants to play. He wants to play every game. But I'm sure this would be a special game for him, as would the Monday night game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we'll have to see if they'll have Deshaun Jackson. Um, some other key players, though, they may also be without. Um, but we'll just see as they go through the week, if they're able to practice Jason Pierre, Paul, I went back and watched the film, Steve, he got hurt on a running play with about nine minutes to go in the first quarter. Uh, and you can see it on film and, you know, Alvin Kamara kind of, he's kind of stood up and he rolls up on him a little bit and it looks like a knee, you know, a lower leg injury type thing. He went out of the game. He came back in the game, um, you know, in the first half and, uh, he really didn't play that many snaps. Um, so, you know, Jason Pierre-Paul is a guy that didn't come off the field at all last year, so it was rare to see him, you know, not in the game very much. So we'll have to watch that one. And then, you know, the other one, which is at a terrible spot for them, is in the secondary, Vernon Hargraves. Vernon Hargraves had a shoulder harness on uh, as he dressed, and I was talking to him uh, just Sunday night, and it seems that, uh, uh, you know, again, they'll do MRIs on that to make sure there's no structural damage. I mean, he was – moving kind of stiffly, you know, trying to get dressed and have a ton of range of motion. But uh, you just don't know with these things. I mean, sometimes guys can bounce back from them and they're okay. But, you know, they they put the old sling on his arm, and so that was never a good sign. So if you consider, you know, Brent Grimes is probably going to be out another week, I would imagine, with that groin injury. I don't, I don't know how severe it is, but it's rare to come back after just a week. And so that leaves the young corners. And you know what? They got their eyes open. They really did. You know, if you're a rookie cornerback and your first NFL game is, is in the Superdome against a Hall of Fame quarterback, you know, I would say that they did about how most rookie cornerbacks would do in that, in that same situation. So uh, they, I thought they both got better as the game went on, and I think they both learned some lessons that will carry with them as we move forward. Carlton Davis in particular. I mean, Davis was going to play a lot anyway. He was going to be the guy playing outside with Hargraves going inside whenever they went to three wide receivers. But he had to start the game, and I thought Breeze went after him a little bit, especially early in the game. And, of course, he gave up uh, a big touchdown to Ted Ginn Jr., and they took him out for a while. I mean, they took him out of the ballgame. We had a chance to talk to Carlton Davis, uh, and I'll give the kid credit. I mean, he's a stand-up guy. You know, um, this was a really good player from Auburn. He's going to be a good player in in the National Football League. But imagine getting your first start. And and what people don't realize is that, you know, there is – a jump in in class, obviously, from college football where you might have two or three guys uh, at any given time, you know, that are NFL caliber on the field. Um, and then you go to the preseason in the NFL, and it's very fast. So you do your first preseason games, and you realize, you know, this is the speed of the game and all that. And then the regular season happens, and there's game planning. There's no game planning involved in preseason. So now they're attacking you ways that make you vulnerable individually uh, and, oh, by the way, just as an aside, the first quarterback you face is the future Hall of Fame you know, quarterback, Drew Brees, who's throwing dimes, you know, who's, who's the precision uh, and the timing just eats you alive. You know, you realize you can have good coverage on a guy. He's still going to make a play because of where the ball placement is. So we talked to Carlton Davis, and here was, here's what he had to say about his first uh, NFL game. It was yeah, it was definitely the speed and the intensity. It was like uh, just way more intense than preseason. 
and uh, you just you can kind of feel when you were on the field that the urgency was just high up. With a win, everything is kind of it's, it's it's a lot better. But uh, you know, I know I got to play play better, especially being in this division. And uh, if I want to accomplish my goals, I know I got to get better and learn every game. Okay, and finally on Monday Night Football, Monday Night Doubleheader. Love that the first week of the NFL season. It began with the Jets' Sam Darnold. I mentioned move over Jameis Winston. Remember Jameis Winston's first pass against the Tennessee Titans? Yeah, it didn't go so well. Pick six in that game. Well, same thing with Darnold. Throws across his body. It's going the other way. Uh, But the good news for Darnold and the Jets is that they destroyed the Detroit Lions because Matt Stafford threw four interceptions. Uh, They had five on the game altogether, and the Jets win 48-17. Boy, a lot of points scored this weekend in the first week of the NFL season, another 48 being hung on there. And uh, I'll tell you what, I watched Darnold, watched him perform. This kid, he is the real deal, in my opinion. Everybody said it, right? He's he's the youngest starter. He's younger than Jameis was uh, when he began by a few days. And um, But the kid has – he sort of has it, I think. Uh, now we'll see what happens going forward. But – Matt Patricia, eh, not so much. I sense there's been a lot of stories out of Detroit about how the Lions are not real happy with Matt Patricia. He has a very Belichickian way without really having any of the uh, gravitas and the, and the success as a head coach because this is his first head coaching job. Um, but there's a little trouble in D-Town, I think. And, and it was – and Stafford – I mean, Stafford was horrible. I, I can't explain I, to you. Like he, if you'd have said he was the rookie, you'd have gone, okay, I, understand, I, I get how he's playing right now. He threw balls to people that, you know, were easy interceptions. Yeah, he was, uh, to put it bluntly, awful. Uh, Excuse me. 286 yards, one TD, four picks. And Matt Castle threw another one. The Lions had five picks total. They threw. uh, Including a pick six in there. Um, Yeah, yeah, first one. Sam Darnold's the first quarterback to win his first start by 31 or more points since Tom Brady in 2001. Well, that's it then. He's the next Tom yes, Brady. Yes, he's the next I mean, go. Yeah. You put yourself in that class off the right off the bat, then that's that's where you're headed. Um, look, he's going to be in that division competing against Brady, who at the time, you know, by the time Darnold reaches his peak, Brady will be yeah. damn near 50 and still playing. But, um, you know, the, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets got to be excited. You really do. When you have a quarterback like this, uh, you know, it changes the perception of everything. He's got a great guy on the bench with him and Josh McCown, who's going to be a great, you know, sounding board, great mentor for him. And um, I'm, I'm kind of bullish on the Jets a little bit. I mean, I know it's one game and Detroit was god-awful. But you go on the road, you know, your first start comes in Detroit. You know, Ford Field was rocking, not, not an easy place to play. Dome Stadium, a lot of noise. And to handle that the way they did and walk out of there with a big win, that's a nice, a nice sign for, for Sam Darnold. Meanwhile, your boy – I'll tell you what, man. John Gruden gets his start with, or his restart, I should say, with the Oakland Raiders in the black hole. And uh, at the time that we're uh, doing this podcast, they are losing to the Los Angeles Rams 20-13. to 13. And, of course, it's early in the fourth quarter. Still time, yeah. And, and Gruden's trying to – I, I saw this on Twitter, and I don't remember who tweeted it, so I'm going to assume it was true. Because, you know, as you know, everything you see on Twitter is true. Everything is true on Twitter, yes. First uh, new coaches in the NFL are 0-6. And Gruden, yeah, I Gruden can't remember one that won. Water for that. So Gruden, yeah. could, if he wins tonight, it'll be one in six. But yeah, all the new coaches lost that have played so far. But the, and Gruden let's face it, last one. tough draw for for John and the, and the Raiders to have to get the Rams because they are 
I think, on paper and maybe otherwise. They were 13-3 and last year. Okay, they didn't advance far in the playoffs. But, you know, this is probably the best team uh, or certainly one of the top two or three mm-hmm. teams in well, the look NFC. At, look at all the talent they added to that roster. Oh, my God. Yeah, offseason. it's just stupid. And Domicon Sue and Aqib Tlaib and, you know, I mean, it's a veritable NFC Pro Bowl team, you know, when you, when you watch them. Aaron Donald, I mean, you know, these guys can get after it. And so, you know, and Sean McVay, by the way, who is Gruden Jr., I mean, there's such a, a um, you know, John hired him and he got, gave him his first NFL job as a quality control guy here in Tampa Bay, I believe. Um, but those two families go back a long time. John was just hoping and, that Jeff Fisher was coaching the Rams still. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. It might have been a different story. But, you know, everybody wanted to know, like, what is Gruden's offense going to look like? Well, it looks like a lot of his offense did when he was in Tampa. I mean, the thing that people, you know, for all the, you know, John's uh, acumen and, and all his FFCA, man, I got a whole bunch of plays, you know what I mean? And he's been going around and, 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 you know, studying ball for the 10 years he was on ESPN. The one thing about John is that he wants to run the football. And uh, did you see the first touchdown by Beast Mode in this game? <laughs> it was the bush push, man. He, he got down around the five-yard line and just started chugging away and got some shoves from his offensive lineman. Yeah, how good like... was Pete Carroll feeling seeing you know Marshawn Lynch <laughs> carry six guys into the end zone yeah, when he doesn't run him on the goal line in the Super Bowl? <laughs> exactly, man. Like, really? You're one yard from a ring, dude. I mean, that will forever be the, the most overthought play call in the history of the NFL. But, uh, yeah, there's there's beast mode. Chugging his way in, getting getting shoved in from about five yards out. So, uh, Doug Martin made his uh, debut with the Oakland Raiders. Looked a lot like Doug Martin used to look, quite frankly. Not a lot of explosive runs, but, you know, good to see him in a Raiders uniform. I think the Raiders have the second oldest team in the league, which is not a surprise if you know anything about John Gruden. So, you know, got his debut, tough debut. Uh, we'll see, uh, you know, we'll talk about that, you know, tomorrow, of course, if they uh, when this game is over, but it's still – Still going on as we uh, as we tape this podcast. So, quite a day in uh, in sports, uh, starting with the walk off by G Man. Man, I still can't I still can't get over how well the Rays are playing. That's just amazing to me. So, hey guys, thanks for listening. Of course, we're here every Monday through Friday on Sports Day Tampa Bay. We love the interaction with you. We'd love to know what you think about the podcast, what you'd like to hear more of, what you don't like. And you can always uh, reach us on Twitter at Sports Day TB at Sports Day TB. Reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or email me at rstroud at tampabay.com. And remember, for all your air conditioning needs, call Millionaire. They're at 727-862-2100 for all your air conditioning needs. It's Millionaire. Of course, the Rays resume their series with Cleveland tonight, and we'll have Tom Jones to break down all the college football and, and NFL action over the weekend. Tom Jones with me on tomorrow's podcast. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 